Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two feet before we nerfed. Delicious, Liberty. It's a I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour. It's the Barbecue Central Show. If you missed the first hour, don't worry, we're recording. Getting Meathead's origin story right here. All right, Meathead, so we are ready to go here for the next uh, segment oh or so. Uh, you know, this is what happens when you get a 70-year-old man. Uh, next time, you get a 20-year-old man. There's a lot of life. There's a lot of life to be told here. Yeah, so, there is. Uh, what, what? I, you know, I, you're forcing me to remember stuff. I have done a lot of shit. You know? Yes, of course. So when does when does writing start? Or, or perhaps, do, do you have like real writing jobs prior to you getting married? Or is there... Not, not too much. No. When I was in college, I wrote for the college paper. The highlight was I my Paper Gators series, which was picked up by the Associated Press. Um, and I did some photography, which was picked up by AP. Um... Um, I think one of the other highlights was, I think in spring training baseball, I predicted the winners of both leagues, and I got one league exactly right from top to bottom. That was, like, incredible. Um, but, um, you know, I had written on the side, you know, poetry and fiction and stuff. But um, not really doing a lot of writing uh, at the time. Uh, but uh, I learned. I mean, I was in journalism school, so I was given assignments, and, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I did, did okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, I ended up on this trip to Detroit and working in a liquor store. And uh, uh, somewhere along the line, my professor, Jerry Yulesman, had a one-man ex- a show at the Art Institute of Chicago, which is a brilliant, grand museum. And it was a great milestone in his life. And so I drove from Detroit to Chicago to see it. And I got to Chicago, and I'm sorry to any of you listening in Detroit, but it was like, oh, my God. (laughs) What am I doing in Detroit? No doubt. I thought, you know, I thought I was going to the big city and going to earn a living in the automobile factory. And then I saw Chicago. And it was like, oh, my God, this gorgeous, beautiful, huge, thriving, artistic, food-oriented, um, wine, beverage. Uh, and I never went back. Uh, you know, I actually, I take that back. I did. I went back, and I gave my boss like a week's notice, and uh, I was gone. And I got a job in a liquor store in Chicago, and uh, uh, it was part of the um, foremost chain which was a chain. I eventually, within a year, I became the head wine buyer for the chain. And uh, um, Ruth Ellen Church, who was the wine critic for the Chicago Tribune, she was the first weekly wine critic in the world. Um, And she was also the food editor. And uh, she wrote a number of cookbooks. 
um, uh, she retired. And they advertised for a replacement, and I applied. And I got the job as the wine critic of the Chicago Tribune, which was a weekly column. And um, um, uh, that was really my first regular writing job. Uh, and it was a lot of work. I mean, a weekly column was, you know, much more than I, and I had to, you know, create topics, do research, fact check, and uh, write. Some, a technique I learned that I still use all the time and people praise me for is never assume your reader understands all of the jargon. You have to explain what the Texas crutch is. You have to explain what a spade laser Riesling is. You just can't say it, you know. And so I, I always took the time to bring along the novice and uh, became pretty good at it. And uh, the Washington Post hired me as a weekly critic. Um, I, uh, uh, my wife, I, well, okay, we're jumping all around here. I, I, met, I met my wife uh, while I was working in a liquor store in um, Skokie, Illinois. She was a grad student at Loyola University in microbiology. She was working part-time at the store as a cashier. And, um, you know, I was running the wine department Big and shot. I just kind of started hanging around her cash register. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, you know, we went, we went out a couple of times, went, had a, a favorite little Chinese restaurant, which, where the, which would let you bring your own wine. Mm -hmm. And I would just basically put together a case of wine and leave it there. <laughs> and we went there often and fell in love with the, the they were, they had two kids um, and fell in love with them and uh, really, really got into Asian food and Chinese food. And uh, uh, we started dining out. And, uh, you know, if you're into wine, you're into food. You have to be. I, I can't help but think that your tactic is akin to what you had learned as a lifeguard all those years back, watching the uh, watching those astronauts peruse the pool and, and hang out. Here's a older meathead perusing the cashiers and going, yeah, yeah I think I'm yeah. going to hang around this particular one right here. So I see well, uh, you are using what yeah, you learned yeah, back in the day. That's about the size of it. Yeah, no that's doubt. That's about the size of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys course, ever have... Most uh, of them are over 60. Uh, well, of course. Uh, <laughs> do you guys ever have kids or no? No. Any reason? No, we never had kids. Um, we both somehow chose career. Um, she became a... She just retired last year. Uh, she uh, pursued her career as a microbiologist and became very prominent in her field. Um, she is one of the great f experts on food safety around the world. Um, she was just honored upon her retirement with a lifetime membership in the um, Institute of Food Technologists. Um, uh, she uh, has published um, written books. And uh, uh, so, you know, we just and, and, and in those days, 1974, we married. She kept her maiden name, Mary Tortorello. Now, that's common today. But back in those days, that was unheard of. I mean, her parents, my parents, nobody understood what the hell are you doing? Did you? I mean, she's, yeah, well, I didn't, I didn't understand it at first. Well, I didn't know, I didn't know you could do it at first, <laughs> but sure, why not? She was a scientist. She had her name on research papers. Why would she become Goldwyn? You know, she was Tortorella. She had a famous name and uh, uh, it was respected in her field and uh, 
uh, why would she change it? I mean, I wouldn't change my name to hers. Um, so uh, uh, th th there's a good story here, too. Um, <laughs> God almighty, these are great stories. Um, when we, 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 we were keeping separate apartments about three blocks apart, and we were shuttling back and forth, and we were having a great old time. And we finally decided, you know, in October, leases come due. And we finally decided, well, let's just move in together. Oh, no, we can't do that. My parents would never, never stand for How it. How old are well, you let's at this get point? Married. Well, 1974, I was born in 49, so I was 25. And you're worried about uh, what your parents think if you're living together and no, you're not married? Parents. Or her parents? Her parents. Who cares? It's not mine. My parents were in Florida, and uh, uh, so it was her parents. So she had a very uh, conventional Catholic uh, upbringing, and they would not. They would not approve of uh, us living together. So what the hell? We just decided. We knew that it was a long-term relationship, uh, and we committed. Uh, so we got married, and we got married at um, uh, this grand old Italian restaurant downtown. gave gave her family two weeks' notice. Big <laughs> Italian family in Chicago. On two weeks' notice, they managed to assemble 200-plus people for man. this wedding party. Wow. Yeah. It, was, it was great fun. I didn't know anybody there. In fact, what I ended up doing is tending bar just to meet people. I got behind the bar and started Smart. mixing drinks. And then people were coming up saying, where's the groom? Oh, <laughs> I'm the groom. <laughs> Good to meet <laughs> And uh, uh, it, it was funny. We, um, because, you know, our religious backgrounds were different, um, uh, we chose a, a justice of the peace, a, a, a non-religious ceremony. And uh, uh, we found the last living justice of the peace in the state of Illinois. And uh, the day of the wedding, I drove my little Toyota pickup truck that I had traveled around the country and camping. And that's another story I haven't told. And uh, um, drove up to Evanston, Illinois, picked him up. And as we're driving towards the uh, restaurant, I said, you know, there's one thing my wife didn't find out from you. What do you charge? And he says, the most frightening words I ever heard in my life. Pay me what you think it's worth. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm, I'm rolling over my head. Well, how long is this marriage going to last? <laughs> and amortized, what 20 years, amortized over 20 years. Am I, am I going to, you know, and, oh, my God. <clears throat> so, so, uh, you know, he, he when we told him that there was, you know, no religious parts of it or anything, um, he uh, he reached in his drawer and pulled out a, a, a black tie that had stenciled on it. Here come the judge. Nice. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, we we time for the ceremony to start, and we can't find him. Finally, we locate him in the downstairs bar. Bring him upstairs. He's drunk. He does the oh. ceremony, and basically, he just has to say, "I now pronounce you." Yeah. Uh, I recited some poems. My wife, my wife pulled out her guitar, sang a few songs, what? and then I escorted him downstairs to a cab. I uh, reached in my pocket and pulled out a couple of hundred bucks, and he kind of looked at me downtrodden. I gave him another hundred bucks, and he said, "Oh, thank you very much." Paid the cab driver, and as I turn around, my dad, who had come up from Florida for the wedding, uh, is there, and he says, "Hey, by the way." Don't worry about the justice. I took care of him. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> he he double dipped on me. Wow! <laughs> Even a judge. So much for my 
so much for my amortization process. Yeah. Well, geez, I thought three hundred bucks is pretty, uh, pretty nice considering pretty good, he was seventy four. You know, yeah, I mean, he was shit faced uh, for the ceremony. I mean, <laughs> right there, and he drank you, on me. Yeah, you lose professionalism <laughs> points right there. That's going to come out of your pay. Oh, where I, I come never found out from my dad how much he paid him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> unbelievable. Oh well. Uh, all right, so now Meathead's married, and uh, you, you know, the the thing that I when I was doing a little research on you. I, you have you founded something called the Beverage Tasting Institute. Oh, yeah, the article yeah, that I was yeah, reading yeah. on you was uh, back from '91, and at that point, you were ten years into it. So you, I was serious research. Yeah, I was wondering about the Beverage Tasting, uh, sorry, Beverage Testing Institute. Testing, yes. And yes, yes. Like, you know, what's the genesis of that, and how long did you run it? Well, here's the here's where the science uh, stuff comes in. Um, in those days, I, I was into wine. I was writing about wine for the Chicago Tribune, and I became, and the Washington Post, and I became conscious of the fact that I could hurt people. Um, I could I could make people. I could say, "Wow, this is a great wine," and people would run out and buy it. And I could say, "Man, this wine sucks," and it would hurt their business. And I felt, although I had a good palate. I had won the Chicago Wine Tasting Championship in 1975, uh, which was a series of blind tastings. I was on the USA Wine Tasting Team. Uh, we, <laughs> That's a we, thing. Uh, we, yeah, there was actually a USA Wine Tasting Team. We got our asses kicked by the French at the World Trade Center uh, in New York. Um, yeah, shocking. Um, but uh, at least I made the team. Yes, of course. Um, and... Uh, and so, you know, I, I started thinking, well, you know, rather than be this oh, bitter dictum, this judge supreme, um, uh, why don't I assemble a panel of judges and, 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 and you know, more than one palette? And then I started diving into the research as to um, how panels work and how you can um, accurately get data and um, compiling uh, all uh, olfactory and uh, gustatory data, and I dove deep into the whole science of smell and taste, and uh, and so on and so on and so on. So I started a company called Beverage Testing Institute, and we set up a procedure for doing wine, beer, and spirits judging and reviewing based on the very best science, the kind of stuff that, you know, craft will do when they are tasting for quality control, their barbecue sauces or whatever, uh, and food scientists would do. And uh, a lot of the methods we established are still in use, and, and BTI still exists. Um, their website is tastings.com. I founded the website, um, and I built the company, and we published a magazine um, which was never really profitable. It got to break even, um, and I sold the company in 2000 and just decided it was time to reinvent myself, and I switched to solid food uh, from liquid food. Um, and in 2005, I launched um, – at uh, 2000, I, I, I sold Beverage Testing Institute and tried to figure out what to do with the rest of my life, and because I had skills as a writer, a photographer, and I had been working on – this new thing called the internet. I started working with um, LA Online in the early 80s, um, where it was all command, you know, it was all typewritten. There were no images, type Y for yes, type N for no, type R for red wine, W. 
And I started working with them for, and we created a wine resource there. And then I met this man named Steve Case. Um, if you don't know his name, Google him, but Steve Case was the founder of AOL. And AOL was in those days what Facebook is today. It dominated the internet. Complete, in fact, it became so big that they bought Time Inc. Time Magazine, yep. Time Life Magazines, Life Magazine, all the books and everything. It wasn't the other way around. They didn't buy AOL. AOL bought them. Yes. They were that big. Um, and Steve Case was just starting out. <clears throat> and I went down to Vienna. It was pronounced Vienna, not Vienna. Vienna, uh, Virginia. And uh, we drank wine in his office. And uh, he asked me to run his food and drink section. Um, which was fun. I brought Julia Child online, her first time online, um, and uh, uh, had a whole nine years running that and made pretty good money for it. Uh, uh, I'm jumping all around. Anybody who's trying to keep a chronology here is lost, but um, these are these are fun stories. There's so many backstories, too. We can go on for hours. Were there also, like, spirit contests or, or spirit yeah. things that you were uh, involved in or, or had mm -hmm. created. These are things you created, right? Yeah. We created the World Wine Championships, the World Beer Championships, and the World Spirits Championships. Um, and um, Are any they, of them uh, in operation still today? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, they, uh, uh, they were, you know, important uh, judgings and awards systems and uh, recognition. Um, and... Uh, wineries would pay us distilleries would pay us um the, the best example is there was this new vodka that nobody had ever heard of that we did a vodka judging and uh they came in first and uh when we gave them our platinum metal there was no such thing as platinum metal until I, we we invented it we gave them the platinum metal and uh, they immediately ran out and bought full-page ads in uh, the Wall Street Journal, and that's how Grey Goose became a thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. You they put Grey Goose on the map, we, huh? We we invent we wow. put Grey Goose on the map, and many other wineries and breweries, and uh, they they took their awards and ran with it. But Grey Goose was the best example. I mean, like two weeks after the uh, the uh, the award, they were all over. Where do the ebbs and flows happen to get to the beginnings of what Amazing Ribs is now? Well, okay. So I, um, uh, the Beverage Testing Institute got to break even, but I never could get it over the top. The wine spectator was dominant in the field. All the ad money went to them. And I made the tactical mistake of launching a, a magazine for um, uh, Beverage Testing Institute, um, and it ha had no advertising. It was advertising free. Uh, I was trying to compete with Robert Parker, and um, um, uh, various things. We, we were a glossy magazine, so we were competing with the Wine Spectator, but we had no advertising, so we were competing with Robert Parker, which was a newsletter, and nobody could figure out which we were. And, and we just never could get it over the top. I sold the company, the guys who bought it. Still, I don't think it's really making a lot of money. And I walked away, and I just decided uh, 
Okay, well, this internet thing is starting to happen. It's 19, uh, 1990. Uh, and, uh, you know, I got some experience. I've been working on AOL. I did LA Online. Um, let's see if I can turn this into something. And I learned HTML, and I started building websites. I could write, I could photograph, and I could build websites. That's a, a skill set. Yeah, marketable. And I, started, you know, I did websites for small businesses and, uh, to demonstrate my skills, I built a website for myself called AmazingRibs.com. And it was, uh, it, it had barbecue. Uh, it was ribs. Uh, it had one recipe. Uh, it had what is on our website today, last meal ribs. Um, and it was a rest. I came to that because I've, I loved barbecue. And my neighbor, who was a butcher, and I were jawing over the fence and challenged each other to a rib cook-off. And this is nine, This is the year 2004, 2004, I think, yeah. And so I immediately ran and looked, and there was just nothing on Amazon, which was selling only books at the time. I couldn't find anything on Amazon, any books about barbecue and grilling. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to launch a website and essentially crowdsource it and write a book about barbecue. And I named it Amazing Ribs because in those days there was no, I don't know if Google existed, but there was no real search engines. And uh, Yahoo was the dominant search engine in those days. And they listed everything alphabetically. So Amazing Ribs starts with an A. Yep. Um, so I, you know, and, you know, we started with a ribs recipe, and then we did pulled pork and brisket and chicken and yeah, and on and on and on. We now have 3,000 pages um, of taste, of, of recipes, um, product reviews, um, technique, science, myth busting, um, and our Pitmaster Club, which is a community. Um, 27 million page views a month. Wow. Um, by far, by far. Bigger than Kingsford, bigger than Weber, bigger than all of them. Um, and it just started. And Google fell in love with us early because uh, we were the only one in the game. Um, you know, nobody had ever heard of reverse sear until we popularized it. We didn't invent it, but we popularized it. Nobody ever heard of searing a steak on top of a charcoal chimney until uh, we popularized it. Uh, people still believe it's ridiculous. I, I get more crap on YouTube from people who... Don't get it. Uh, YouTube's such a cesspool. What year do um, you realize that you are onto something? You were you were building to kind of stand out or or uh, supplement something that you were missing. But what year do you realize mm -hmm. you can see growth? It's organic. People are searching you out for information. Well, I'm in two thousand four or so when I launched it. It was, a, you know, a labor of love, but it was also a portfolio. It was demonstrating that I could build websites. And um, I was having fun with it, and I was spending way too much time on it. And I wasn't getting a lot of clients. And all of a sudden, traffic's building. And we added advertising and affiliate relationship with Amazon. And by 2010, I could make a living at it. It wasn't a good living, but, I, you know, it was enough to me to say, screw this freelancing Let's put all our energy into AmazingRibs.com. And, uh, you know, a couple of years later, I hired Max. Max Good. You know Max. He yep. showed up on your show regularly. 
Um, Max was uh, lives nearby. Um, he had a barbecue sauce he was flogging, and uh, I thought it would be useful for our website if we had product reviews. I was doing some of them, but I wasn't doing them well. And I said, "Well, you know, you wanna you wanna be our product review maestro?" And he said, "Yeah, that'll be fun." <laughs> yeah. Uh, since then you've continued to grow, uh, you have fostered quite a small to medium sized business, small business, I guess. But I mean, still for, I, I can't imagine when you'd started it, you thought you'd have as many, uh, commissioned folks and employees that you were paying as you do here in 2020. I mean, you, and you had more in yeah. the, in the heyday a couple of years ago. No. And in fact, when I sold the beverage testing Institute, there were a lot of lessons I learned. You know, you if you don't, you know, I listened to people interviewed like you know, movie stars, athletes, business experts, and and people ask them if you had to do it over again, would you do anything different? What would you do differently? And they'd say I wouldn't do anything different. And I just slap my forehead. I go, Oh my God, you asshole! You haven't learned anything. There are so many things I would do differently. Um, there were so many things that I have learned that I did wrong, um, terribly. I was a lousy manager at BTI. Um, I, I didn't treat my people well. Um, uh, I, I do now. Um, but I swore when I sold it, I would never have employees again. Cause I just got tired of refereeing fights between people and, um, making bad hires and then having to teach idiots how to do their job and but i've been i've learned some lessons and i've got a good crew that's working with me now not for me um uh, they're teammates they're not employees um and uh, that's not just you know business mumbo jumbo that it, that's the way this business operates and uh we get stuff done and uh we're having fun um we're just this short of being where I'd like to be. Um, we have 16,000. The internet is very different today. Um, when I first launched AmazingRibs.com, you could make a living from advertising. Not a lot, but you can't now. Um, the advertising cost per thousand CPMs is way down. The rates are low. And there's just, you know, supply and demand. There's so many different places people can advertise. If you think you're a premier site and you want to raise your rates, nobody's going to come to you. Um, uh, there's just a, a unlimited supply, particularly a barbecue. There's just um, hundreds of daddy bloggers out there who are accountants, lawyers, computer programmers in the daytime, and they run a barbecue website in the evening. Yep. And um, uh, they they uh, get some advertising. They attract traffic. And I have to compete with them. And it's okay. I like them. A lot of them are good good people, and they do some good stuff. But, you know, it's the uh, the, the problem of the, 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 the hooker who complains it's hard to make a living when there are so many people giving it away, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough to compete with. Uh, so you're, you're close to where you want to be. You've also mentioned from time to time, uh, on the show that you're also entertaining offers. So are you actively yeah. selling amazingribs.com? Yes. 
We are. And in fact, there's a connection. Um, one of your favorite people, Doug Scheiding. Yes. Uh, Doug is a business broker. Yes. And Doug is representing me. Really? Um, I am actively pursuing the sale of the company. I want to team up with a company who is a specialty company in the internet, who has multiple website properties, who has expertise in technology, expertise in design, who has managers. I spend way too much time on bookkeeping and managing the finances. Um, I need to get that off my back. You can do the you could be do the management part of my job in 10, 12 hours a week, but it's 10, 12 hours I need back. Um, so we're actively looking for a partner, someone to come in and buy the company and incidentally give me a lot of money. And, um, and at the same time, help us grow, help us reach our goals, help us get better. There's so many things we would love. I'd love to do more about campfire cooking, tandoori cooking, um, uh, just um, product, more product reviews, um, and uh, just a, a bazillion things. Well, you know, Greg, you're always bugging me uh, in best of nature. When's your book coming out? It was due out last <laughs> spring, and then I pushed it back to spring 21, and now it's pushed back to spring 22. And now it's I'd pushed like back to spring 3078. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get the goddamn book finished, you yeah. know? It's a good book. I've got a lot of it done, um, but I need to finish it, and it's just really hard. Um, and we're doing some really creative stuff. Um, we've we've just published three small ebooks. They're just Kindle books, ebooks, um, 100, 150 pages um, that contain everything we know about ribs or everything we know about chicken, everything we know about sous vide cube. Those are the three, and they sell for three ninety nine on Amazon, and they're selling. I mean, we 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 just um, launched the chicken one this week. Um, and by the way, if anybody's listening, um, it's free on Amazon today and tomorrow. Uh, just go to um, Amazon. It's called Chicken Made Easy by Meathead. And uh, I worked with uh, Bridget Benz on it. And um, uh, it's a good book on chicken. But, you know, we're doing, we're doing creative stuff. We're doing stuff that nobody's ever done before. Everything I've done in my career is stuff nobody's ever done before. Meathead, you have said it all. You've done it all. I mean, we have learned stories about you this evening. I thought I knew everything about you, and uh, here we have five or six new stories that I am now completely... Oh, I'm barely uh, touching the surface. Barely scratching the surface. You know, anybody's listening out there with... Uh, uh, with uh, Insomnia, I can put you to sleep. <laughs> well, I can tell stories all night long. The good news I is, got stories. I mean, me and Ned Shearhorn catching lobsters off the coast of Florida. Oh my God, those were great lobsters. What's that? What are you showing me? Your the, ring? No, the, I was tightening up a bolt on my microphone. But the good oh. news is this: uh, when whenever things calm down and get back to order. And the middle daughter needs to go back to Chicago for her uh, modeling thing over yeah. there at the Merchandise Mart. We will get together, and you will we regale me. You will regale me with a new sets of stories, and I, I need I can't to hear your me. story. I, I, I have no I, I, stories. I would like to ask favor. Yeah, 
can we reconvene at a date sometime in the future where I can interview you and ask your story? If, I know if, how to interview. Sure. I mean, I've been, I, 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 I studied Studs Terkel. I'm a journalism major. Um, you did a great job. You asked all the right questions. You followed the sequence. Um, I wandered off topic many times. You reeled me in. Let me do the same thing for you. I'm happy to do it. Of course. Let's set a date. Right, we'll set a Let's date. Let's turn the table. All right. We'll uh, we'll 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 hook it up offline, and you can you can uh, you can do we'll me. Turn the table. That's right. Uh, in the meantime, you can find Meathead over at AmazingRibs.com, of course, uh, on social media, begrudgingly, of course, and on the second Tuesday of the month, <laughs> right here yeah, yeah, yeah. on the show. Meathead, uh, really appreciate doing this. Most importantly, uh, the fact that we have been together uh and and you're yes. one of the few meathead that i have both had an online and an in-person relationship and more than one occasion yes. by the way uh where we can get together like this and share friendship and share like-minded and also some competing ideas uh your your friendship and your contributions to the show uh you, you will never know the amount of appreciation that i have for it and i i thank whatever God there is for you each and every day. And oh, uh, I God. can't wait to continue to, to do this for as long as it happens. Well, I have to, I have to bounce it all right back at you. You, you know, I'm thinking as we're, you we're getting ready to say goodbyes. I, I want to say something about our relationship. Oh, he just said that. <laughs> I want to say thank you about meeting you. In per oh, he just said that. I, I, I feel so much the same way, Greg. I mean, it, it, it is, um, it has been fun. I don't know. We're 10, 12 years into this. Oh, yeah. Um, I, barely, I barely missed a month, you know, or two. Um, I look forward to it. I think you're a real stalwart in the barbecue community. I don't know where the barbecue community would be without you. And I just look forward to talking to you. And uh, I get feedback from the, uh, uh, the, the centralites uh, and hear from them. And... Uh, uh, you know, let's uh, let's hope we both uh, motor on for many years together. All right, let's do it. Meathead, always appreciate it. Thank you so much. There he is, Meathead, right there, doing the origin story. And wow, I, I got to tell you, that was thoroughly enjoyable. And we've learned new stuff from Meathead, which I can't believe. This guy is palling around with astronauts as they are searching out tail at the pool at the hotel that they own they all bought in in case you didn't hear that part of it wow all right, we're, we're more or less right on time actually so we got AJ Lujan coming up out of the break his dad Anthony will also be around to keep it legal I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers the one stop online shop for all things barbecue a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies will get you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything there has been Pitmaster approved by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself, from the award-winning rubs and sauces to the American-made grills and smokers. Big Papa's has everything you need to be a better outdoor cook. Now, if you're looking for the rubs and seasonings, they got 13 perfectly balanced flavors that include Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Little Louis Season Salt, Double Secret State, Desert Gold, just to name a few. And there's more, obviously. There's 13. If you're looking for a great new sauce, if you're sick of what outs there, of what is already out there, or you're looking for something new, or you're looking for a great base sauce that you can start to tweak, 
Big Papa's is also the proud owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce, which is an award-winning sauce all on its own. So you don't have to tweak it if you don't want, but if you would like to tweak it, perfectly your preference. Aside from the premium selection of rubs and sauces, you know they got the cookers. If you're in the market for a versatile cooker that's easy to use, how about that Mac two-star general pellet cooker that's been completely revised? Not a fan of pellet smokers? All right. Take a look at the old Hickory Ace BP, the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition trailer. Not sure of what grill you need? Give him a call. Ask questions. 877-828-0727. Again, that's 877-828-0727 or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. Where, oh, where is the next generation of competition cooker coming from? We're going to meet him. Coming up next. Stick around. We'll be right back. over 10 years of prolific and unparalleled live fire barbecue and grilling talk. And yes, it's still being done from Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet, currently available in two sizes, but there will be a third one coming. A host of accessories as well. Whether you're a beginner or professional, definitely a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com. Tell them the Barbecue Central Show sent you. Unforeseen, I have to start with this. A Barbecue Central Show exclusive news update. Now, I didn't have a update at the top of the hour. Although I have had updates in this regard over the last couple weeks. I do have a cat piss update. Literally. Literally. Two minutes ago, my wife just came down in between the break between Meathead here in in family Lujan, that I'll bring up here in just a sec. But the Snickers, the cat, was just up in the kitchen and pissed all over the kitchen. All that work out the window. We've had, we were going into week two. Of no cat piss. I purposely held out the cat piss update, and now I'm forced to give you a cat piss update. I can't believe it. I don't know what we're going to do with this cat. This cat is on the outs, I can say that. You know, often I have asked on this show from time to time where the next generation of competitive cook is coming from, and how old are they really? Last year, I introduced you to SCA sensation Angel Todd, who was 16 at the time. She won an SCA event right here in Cleveland also, as, as she won that event, earned herself a golden ticket to the World Championships in Fort Worth, where she did end up finishing mid-pack tonight. I introduce you to an even younger stake prodigy, earning many calls in the events that he is cooked in. He is joining me tonight to talk about his steak cooking process, how he got into it. Uh, sitting in is his dad as well. 
Let's hit the hotline and welcome in first-timer to the show, AJ Lujan, and second-timer to the show and co-host of the Pitmasters podcast, the Anthony Lujan. Gents, appreciate you taking time this evening. Hopefully, you enjoyed the balance of the Meathead interview. AJ, hopefully, you learned about the icon that is AmazingRibs.com and the founder, Meathead. Are you familiar, AJ, with AmazingRibs.com? Is that a website that the kids hit up for all their live fire info? I don't have you guys. Hello? You there? Hello? Okay, there we are. I'm sorry. All right. Is that a is that a, a website that you're hitting, AJ? No. <laughs> You've never heard of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website ever on the face of the earth? Nope. Oh man. Well, this is, uh, what kind of a kid are you raising over there, Anthony? My goodness, I figured uh, that was like uh, something you would have saved in the bookmarks, and every day you have <laughs> to go back through and start going through the three thousand pages of what Meathead has. Man, I'm just his sponsor. I just give him the stuff that he needs to do. He just shows up, right. cooks, and goes home, That's bro. right. No doubt. So before we get into the steak hawk, um, Anthony, let me ask you something a little off the board. I'm hearing rumblings, and this is why I'm asking to confirm, that you and this other guy, Rusty Monson, do the show, and it's really the only time that you guys actually talk. Perhaps there might be some growing disdain between you guys as well. How do you please to these charges? Man, um, we actually recorded earlier tonight, and we covered that. Um, actually, really? Rusty and I were actually good friends. Oh. We get together, we barbecue, we watch football. You know, all right. <laughs> so. Thank God. Well, I got to tell you, there were internet. Yeah, there's internet scuttlebutt that's going on, right? And I figured, hey, there is. I got fifty percent that's coming on right now. I got the other fifty percent in two weeks, so uh, we'll of course have to ask him for his opinion. But you're saying right now, uh, on October thirteenth, everything is good. As of now, yes. All right, very good. Uh, all right, so uh, AJ, let's talk about before the steak talk. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, you're 15, as I had mentioned, so that makes you, uh, is that a freshman in, in high school? Yes, all right. I'm a freshman. How has 2020 and coronavirus specifically affected you? We talk about it a lot here on this show with folks that are within the live fire industry. Competitors aren't competing as much, or at least you know, March, April, May, when things were really dialed back, businesses are going out of business. Uh, it's hard to eat in a restaurant. How has the coronavirus affected you specifically? Um, it's obviously made school a little bit harder. Uh, I'm doing online. It's a can't really go out that much, hang out with friends, family. Um, Makes it harder to go out and eat, obviously. So everyone's just at home ordering and cooking their own dinner. Have you noticed that a lot of your mates are doing a lot of home eating and they're like, AJ, this blows because guess what? I just figured out that mom and dad are terrible cooks and that's why we go out to eat all the time. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably cool to have a dad that knows how to cook pretty awesomely, I guess. Yeah, it is awesome. No doubt. All right, so let's talk about competitive steak here, AJ. Uh, I don't know how or where kids get introduced like yourself. Um, as I had mentioned last year, I had a, a lady by the name of Angel Todd on who was only one year your senior at that point. How are you even introduced to SCA? I went to competitions with my dad and just watched him cook and then he asked me if I wanted to compete, and I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. Is it just something you're looking at and saying, 
it's not that technical. Uh, you know, we're not splitting atoms here. It looks from a process fairly simple and it's something that you can handle and, and you think you could be successful at it or were you just excited to just give it a try? I was excited to give it a try, but it also looked decently easy just to cook a steak. So I was like, I'll give it a shot. Have you been to the barbecue competitions that your dad does as well? Yep. Now, how would you compare those? Uh, are are you as are you as or at all interested in partaking in a no. competition barbecue? No, I'm not really interested in that. That seems like a lot more work to do. <laughs> you got to be like really rich to do that too. You got to have a camper <laughs> and wagyu beef and all that other stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> definitely. All right. So steak is a little bit more your role, is what I'm understanding. So. Uh, talk to me a little bit about those first couple steak cookoffs. What kind of a process do you have in place? Who are you leaning on for guidance, and what kind of practice are you getting in before you hit that first contest? Um, usually for the practice, we like two or one day before we cook a steak and see if we want to use anything like kind of new or stick to the same, and. When I go to the competitions, I just kind of go and do it. And I have my dad help me sometimes, not all the time, though. How many competitions are you in right now? Um, He's done se- seven. Seven. Wow. All right. Uh, and are they all this year, or you have it over the course of the last, you know, over, like between 19 and, and 20? Last year and this year? He did one last year, and then okay. he did the, the Utah State Championship series point series oh nice here. all right so balance yeah. are, are here in 2020 so you got all the experience pretty much right now um so what's uh what's your process uh, we had kind of jokingly said up front that you're uh well adept at smacking your dad around at these competitions so what's it like uh from a process you get on site and, and take it from there uh what do you get just yeah, just give me start, start to finish. Like, what yeah, are you doing? Start to finish, yeah. Like how I prepare yeah. the steak? Yeah, just steak selection and everything. Well, at the beginning when you pick the steak, I usually just look for the good spinalis and good marbling on the spinalis. And then I trim that steak. And then after that, I usually season it with, a, with one seasoning. And then after that, I do the rest. Then I tie it up and then wait for the cooking to begin. Uh, are you going to share with us your top secret steak uh, steak rubs, or is that going to cost me, or what? Uh, well, charge I, him. Charge him. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Charge him. Shut up. <laughs> Go ahead. I don't know what means. My dad puts those together, and I just don't know the names. Oh, so, Greg, right. um, so so I, have a, I come from a, a manufacturing background so i actually created him like kind of a standard work scenario on like literally i hand him a piece of paper and he follows it step by step in barbecue consistency is number one right you have hundreds of guests they say consistency is number one so um he has i have all those rubs lined up um i'll I'll tell you what they are i have no problem but they're just literally bottles one through six so he just goes (laughs) down each bottle each step um, and then he has a guideline. I can actually pull it up. This is his guideline that he follows wow, to a T. Look at that. He he writes he writes his numbers in there, and he just follows this guideline 
solid every single time and that's why i think he's a better cook than i am but uh, well let's break it down I'll, I'll just tell it throw it out there um we're using killer hogs the barbecue rub um barbecue hot wow the steak rub blues hogs bold and beefy all queued up steak shake and then we finish with the boar's night out white lightning uh so are, i mean this uh, flavor are the are the amounts like you're going like a, a light to medium coat of both, or are you using like tablespoons of, of this and tablespoons of that and putting it in a separate shaker to just launch all over the top of the steak? Like, how does that break? That's a lot of, I mean, you know, I don't want to like get all crazy here, but when I'm doing steak at home, not a competition, uh, I, I'll go either Poncho and Lefty's original steak seasoning, or if I'm getting really crazy, I'll do that and some double secret steak rub from Big Papa Smokers, but that's it. I don't have six rubs and a finishing dust that I'm putting on. So, uh, like, how much of each are you doing? Uh, so some are like kind of mixed together, and some we put on like a little thicker, and ones with like salt, like heavy salt. Just we put on like a medium to light coat, mm. so it doesn't really overpower it too much. Uh, will the amount of seasoning you put on adjust? with how thick the steaks are. For instance, uh, maybe you're going in with a idea that I'm assuming the steaks are going to be an inch and a quarter, but if I get them and they're towards an inch and a half, I'll have to adjust more meat, more seasoning, or if they're a skinnier than an inch and a quarter, you're going to draw some back because you don't want to, as you said, overpower. Yeah, if they're bigger, then we put a little bit more smaller, put like medium to light, so... It just evens everything out. All right, so you go ahead and rub those steaks up, and are you looking to have them sweat out for a certain period of time before you start the cooking? Uh, yeah, usually like 30 minutes to right. let it soak, like hold that seasoning. And then are you getting a fire going at that point as well? Uh, yeah, my dad is usually starting the coals. All right. Uh, what kind of coals are you yeah. into? Are you a, a, a fuel teller? You use B and B. No way, man. We're just no? Kingsford, keeping oh. it OG. Really? You use Kingsford? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know. Professional grade. Yeah. All right. Uh, what kind of Rusty grill are you Ford. using, AJ? The PK. The PK. Uh, is that the PK original one or the PK three sixty? OG. Original. Yeah. All right. Like I said, Greg, he doesn't even know what he's using. He shows up, cooks, and bounces, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Kicks my ass every time. All right. So <laughs> grill's ready to go. Um, I, I assume. Again, I'm assuming because I've only seen it done a couple times. But I assume you're taking that pistol thermometer and shooting the grates. You're probably using grill grates. Uh, are you looking for a, a, a temperature on the rail there before you start cooking? Uh, yeah. We usually shoot it, and we want it to be at least one five hundred. 500 at least 500 or you want it to you want to be higher than 500 500 and if it's too high we turn it down because we don't want it to burn it and make it look bad all right so uh talk to me on your flip times steak goes down um do you you do any of that uh non-stick spray like right before you put it on the grate? yeah yeah Yeah, a little bit of that and then uh, if it's a if it's a little hot hotter than usual i usually turn down the time but usually I stick to like how how long I don't know how long. <laughs> What's the she usually run, run, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. One twenty is our starting point. 
right. a minute 20 before each twist. Okay. And then uh, once you get through the fourth 120, you're also temping quite a bit at that point, I would imagine. So to figure out if you're yeah. going to keep it on or if you're going to pull it off. Mm-hmm. All right. And usually after like we get the good grill marks, we put it up on like a little rack to let it. And we have a little temperature that tells us when it's done. Mm. Um, so when that steak comes off, then there's also a... Oh, 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 hold on. Sorry. There's also a second steak that you have picked out through that selection. Are you deciding on that first steak, hey, this one is good enough, this is the one we'll turn in, or do you have to cook both in order to make that ultimate determination? I like to cook both just in case like the first one comes out bad, then I have like another one to turn to, but usually the first one is try to get this one perfect because it's the one I want. How much time in between when that first one would finish to when you would start cooking that second one? I would imagine you want them pretty tight so there's not a lot of gap and, and cool down. Yeah, w- when we get the fourth like flip over on the first one and put it up on the grate is usually when I start cooking the second one. So like right after the first one. Anything special that you're doing when you're turning them in? You dance a little butter over them or I I know you said there was some kind of a finishing dust or something like that. Anything else crazy? Uh, Yeah. So we were heating up the butter and we spread that on it and then just some finishing dust and then that's it. Uh, do you use a carry gold or some kind of organic or, or all cow butter or anything like that? Anything fancy? Nope, just no. butter from Land the store. Land of lakes. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> all right. So then you, you, you run it in uh, and then in a way you go. Now, it's out of your hands at that point. Judges take it. They're going through whatever their process is. Um, you're sitting back there talking smack to everybody i would imagine because you've been successful but you know if you could remember all the way back to the first time you heard your well so it's a ticket right i mean they call a number out you look at your number when you hear those numbers called out the first time where you're walking the stage now uh, i mean what kind of a charge is that put into a 15 year old no big deal uh, playing black ops on the xbox is better like where does that rate i usually just get really nervous <laughs> Because I don't like walking up in a crowd of people. But then I also get excited because money. Yeah, I mean, so you don't like walking up in front of a crowd of people because you're 15 and you don't have the in-your-face gene yet? Yeah. Yeah, okay. But you you do have <laughs> the I like... He does have the I, <laughs> the I like money gene, though, which uh, everybody loves, right? We, we love money. Uh, what has your dad helped you with? the most in this i mean certainly we have fun talking about how you will finish ahead of him here and there but he's obviously been a, a pretty big influence in the process and helping you kind of guide down the right path he's the one that helped me got started helped me get started and obviously he taught me how to actually cook and prepare it so he's definitely a big help uh anthony when you Watch AJ Cook, and you hear his name. I mean, I would imagine, look, I'm a father of three daughters. Uh, none of them uh, have any interest in competing. I probably have less interest in competing than they do, and they have none. But if we were into it, uh, I would almost think that it's a weird position because certainly you want to win. I mean, you're there to win and take all the money that you can, but then your kid is also there, and any good parent wants the best for their kid. So 
I'm wondering, do you get more satisfaction out of you executing a good cook and you're being recognized for it and you're walking the stage, or do you get more satisfaction out of seeing AJ execute a cook and getting recognized for it and getting to walk the stage? Actually, I get more excited when AJ wins. Um, seeing him across that stage and be able to take his photo ops and everything like that, it, what it does is it actually drives him a little bit more, wants to hit, make him be a little bit more competitive, makes him want to go up there and chase that golden ticket, be able to get down to Texas. You know, he's he, he really is accelerating at this, and it, I'm I'm happy to sit take the backseat anytime to him. Um, of course, I'm chasing my ticket too, but if he gets there before I do. I'll be super stoked. Yeah, you'll be uh, you'll be second in command on that grill if you don't get the golden yep. ticket. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, AJ, yeah. where are you going to be competing at next? Uh, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. When is that coming up? Saturday. Oh, that's this weekend. <laughs> yes. Oh well. Yeah. Thank goodness you showed up here because AJ, I know you've been a longtime fan. I mean, the show's been around almost as long as you have been around. And anybody that shows up on a Tuesday that competes the following week wins the event. So sorry, everybody else, but AJ is going to be in town, so he's going to win because he did the show. Anthony will probably come in second. So uh, it's going to be fun times in Las Vegas for a myriad of reasons. And that's it. Uh, uh, Anthony, anything you want to promo before I turn you guys loose tonight? Oh, no, man. We just uh, make sure you tune into the Pitmasters podcast weekly. That's Thursday. Every Thursday, I should say. Um, this week, we have Amanda McGarth coming up talking about Thermoworks and launching some new products on there. So nice. make sure you tune into that because there are some sweet products coming out this week. All right, AJ, so. appreciate you making time for the show this evening. Uh, continued success on the competition stake trail. And I'd wish you good luck in Las Vegas, but you're not going to need it because you're going to be a winner. So uh, once, you, uh, once you take that one down, we'll get you back on here and uh, recap it here soon enough. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, guys, there they are, the Luhans. They are competitive. They are family. They are a competitive family doing the steak cook stuff, and we certainly appreciate them coming on this evening and helping me finish it out. All right, let's see where we're at. Got this, and we'll close up shop. Green Mountain Grills. Oh, come on. Rusty Monson uses Green Mountain Grills to cook his chicken. They can also cook things other than chicken if you want. Choice Line, Prime Line. Choice Line will give you not the tech, but it'll save you some cash. If you want tech, like two instant breed or two internal meat probes. If you want peek in windows on the cooking chamber and pellet hopper, if you want Wi Fi technology, app connectivity, you're going to want to bone out for the Prime Line. Also, get you a little bit sturdier of a chassis build. You get the rack underneath the wheels, storage rack there for your pellets and wood and other stuff. Great stuff. It is great stuff. You can go to GreenMountainGrills.com and check out the selection, then find a dealer near you. They do sell through dealers, so you have to go there and check them out. They'll also answer all your questions that you have there on the floor. You can buy a lot of accessories at their dealers, almost like a one-stop shop there. So go to GreenMountainGrills.com and do all your research, and then ask your dealer from there. Green Mountain Grills, don't forget the pizza oven insert with the Jim Boom or the Daniel Boone, regardless of if you get the choice or the prime, it fits in both. We are back to wrap it up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Whole Packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. Hey, welcome back. This portion is being brought to you by Smithfield. Throughout this season of grilling and barbecue, you can head on over to smithfield.com for recipes and tips and tricks from world champ pitmasters like Chris Lilly, Darren Worth, Ernest Cervantes, and Childs Cridlin. With mouth-watering flavor and no artificial ingredients, Smithfield fresh pork, some of the best the pork money can buy. Trusted by world champion pitmasters for use in competitions and at home. Also... Brought to you by The Smoke Sheet, a weekly newsletter that's free and keeps you in the know on everything happening in the barbecue world, including top news, events, recipes, and more. Head on over to bbqnewsletter.com. Again, that's bbqnewsletter.com, a great all-in-one resource covering the live fire industry. All right. How about that? Anthony Lujan, his son AJ. AJ is a competitive cook. He's 15. He's got seven under the belt, and he is headed to Vegas this coming weekend to get after it. Searching for that golden ticket. And as Anthony said, he's also searching for his golden ticket. Who do you bet on? If Anthony gets a golden ticket, and AJ gets a golden ticket, and they have to compete at each other or against each other at the World Championships in Fort Worth, who votes for who? Who wants to see who wins at the national championship? That's big time. We'll see how it plays out. All the way back in the first hour and some of the second hour, Meathead from uh, AmazingRibs.com's origin story. Tremendous stories. Unbelievable. If you missed it, if you're just tuning in, podcast will be up in about an hour from now. For the first hour, second hour on Thursday. We have a new best of coming up on Friday as well, episode 146. You have to be subscribed to the podcast for that. So I appreciate Meathead just laying it out like that. Totally enjoyed those stories. And then closing it out, AJ Lujan coming on, 15 years old. Having success on the competition stake trail right now. Following the... SOP sheet that Anthony made for him as dad and is seeing a lot of success and as Anthony said I was going to ask him well why don't you follow that sheet Anthony no reason to rub it in the kid is following the sheet and winning the man is not he is not Andrew, you are not, not following that sheet Anyway, good luck to those guys as they head out to Las Vegas. Be safe and good luck. Although you won't need it. Show karma attaches. Next week, Stephen Reichland's origin story and Robin Lindar's origin story. And we'll see what else is on tap. We'll see also if I have a cat who's decided to piss in the kitchen. I'll be addressing that here in about three minutes. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.
is Jimmy Burns from Melbourne, Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. 